the Lord. Jesus himself said, if you love me, if you love Jesus, you will. He didn't say you might, but he says you will keep my commandments. And the overriding theme was the fact that if we have true love for Christ, how does it show itself? It shows itself in our willing obedience to do what he says to do. You cannot say you love Jesus and not want to do what he says we ought to do. And I think that verse is very, very good because he says, if you love me. He doesn't say, if you love me, keep my commandments. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So he makes it personal that if you and I really do, we will keep his commandments. And the backdrop of all that was Genesis chapter 1, where verse 1, where God created all the, stepped out and began creation. We also talked about that in verses, uh, chapter 1, 24 through 31, the idea that God uh, gave man dominion over all the creatures, over every living thing. God blessed the sea and the sky and all his creatures, and God said man would have dominion. God, man would have power over all that was created. And then with all that God did, we get to chapter 2, verse 15 and 17, where God puts man in the garden, and then we have the confrontation where there is a confrontation where the devil uh, tempts Eve. Eve uh, eats of the fruit. She gives it to the man. And then we have the fall of mankind in the fact that man um, fell into sin because of one thing. And in my class, we here's what we say. We say, look, look what God did from Genesis 1, 2 to 3. He creates, he puts man in the garden. He gives man everything that he needs. And then he tells man, you are to tend to the garden. That's it. One restriction. One thing you cannot do. And that is eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But everything else is yours. And I thought to myself, and I was sharing with my tweenies, I said, isn't it ironic that you can have everything, but the, many times the devil tells us or convinces us in our mind that you lack one thing. We have everything that God could ever want us to have, and yet the devil whispers sometimes in our ear, but you're missing out on one thing. And that's what Eve thought. She had everything. God had blessed them with everything, and all they had to do was obey God, and things would things have been great. But the devil convinced her that the one thing she didn't have was she wasn't like God. And there can't be nobody like God because God is only God. He deceived her. And ultimately, the focus of the lesson on that night, Monday night, or Tuesday night, rather, was God wants people to obey him out of love. It's better to obey out of love than to obey out of compulsion or being forced to. Because if you're forced to, you're really not doing it because you want to. It's like the old adage with a, with a young guy or somebody, a young person, the, the, the baby's in the car riding down the road, and the mother and father say, sit down. And he, you know, just keeps standing. Sit down. Keep saying, sit down. And finally, he sits down. And what he says is, hey, I may be sitting down in my car, but I'm actually standing up in my heart. And sometimes we do that with God. On the outward, it appears that we are obeying, but inwardly, we're saying, God, I really don't want to do what you want me to do. So that's what we talked about the first night, that uh, obedience to God is out of his love for us. Amen. Then the next night, we talked about uh, choose, God, choose your friends wisely. Choose good friends. So we went from love God most of all to choose good friends. 
And I hope that in your or my life that we have good friends. Amen? And we dealt with the, 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 the story or the, the illustration of that and from the word of God was Jonathan and David. Amen? And the verse that we memorized was John 15, 12. This is my commandment. Again, this is Jesus speaking. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. We're to have love for one another. And it's interesting. The love is not based for us, for Christ, and for us is not based on conditions. We are just to love one another. And how do we do that? If God has loved you, then you're duty bound to what? Love me and vice versa. If, if I say I, God has loved me, then I am to love you. This is my commandment. This is what I'm telling you. This is what you have to do, that you and I have loved one another. Why? Because he has loved us. Amen? Yeah. Has God loved you? Yeah. And if he has, should we not love one another? That's pretty simple, isn't it? Then the question would be, why don't we do that? We got quiet in here all of a sudden. The story, the illustration was 1 Samuel 16, where Saul had an evil spirit come upon him. The Lord put an evil spirit on Saul. And somebody suggested that you need to hear this, the nice soothing tones of the harp. And in fact, there's a young man out there. Let us go for us. Let's do a star search, so to speak. Let's find somebody that can play the harp. And lo and behold, somebody says, there's a young man of the, of the son of Jesse by the name of David. He can play the harp. Let's bring him in and let him play the harp to soothe your spirit, Saul. And you know what? I didn't bring this out in the class, but I thought about this later on. It's ironic how God puts all things together. Isn't it ironic that the one person that, that could soothe Saul's heart was the one person that ultimately would be the king of the nation of Israel? Isn't it ironic that Saul's son, by the name of Jonathan, who would have been the rightful heir to be the next king of Israel, was also going to be David's friend who recognized that he wasn't the chosen one, but David was. So God is an expert at putting all things together. Make no mistake, you and I cannot and will not and never will hinder the program of God. God puts the pieces together. Now you can try to hold it, you can try to check it for all you want, but if it's God's plan and God's will, it's going to be done with us or without us. Amen? And I thought that was ironic because here's David playing for Saul. Now, all of a sudden, God anoints David to be the next king of Israel, and Saul gets wind of all this, and Saul gets jealous and tries to kill David. I mean, you read all that from 16 onward. You're, I'm just giving you a highlight. And Saul tries to kill David. And because Jonathan had a great love for David, Jonathan lets David know that whatever his father was going to do, he was not going to accomplish it because he would not allow it. That's a good friend that understands who you are. A good friend will accept you with all your faults, foibles, and, and whatever else you got. Because is anybody in here perfect? If you are, raise your hand, please. Anybody? Got it all together? You've never offended anybody? You never said anything wrong? The Bible says, and life says, offenses will come. It's how we handle the offenses. I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, you know what? I have a problem. I said, what's that? I said, if I'm with a group of guys and 
really good-looking, attractive woman walks by, and one of the brothers acts like he don't see it, I have a problem. Because everybody's like, now she's a pretty woman. I didn't see that. I didn't even know. I didn't recognize it. What world do you live in? Amen? Be real, man. You see an attractive woman or whatever, you see it. I mean, there ain't no, there ain't no shame in saying somebody's pretty or attractive or handsome. That's not the sin. The seeing is not the sin. It's what we do after we see. Now, you're getting your mind going to the place you shouldn't go. Now, now you're getting into sinful territory. But to say somebody is handsome, to say somebody's kid is what? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Be, be real. A good friend will be somebody that's with you through thick and thin, that accepts you for who you are. I had the opportunity this, last, this past week or last past two weeks, really, of uh, spending time with Pastor Matt uh, Black from Emmanuel Baptist Church. And he's been, been in the pastor about a year and a half, maybe. He pastor Emmanuel for about a year and a half. And then yesterday I met a um, young man that's with the Church of Christ. And, you know, we were talking about ministry and stuff. I said, you know, the best advice I could ever give anybody that's in ministry is, in terms of pastoring or leading, is be who you are. Be yourself. Yes, a lot of, of, of my mentor, the guy that I trained under is a lot like Pastor Harris, but a lot of it's not like Pastor Harris, too. I have to be true to myself. I'm not Pastor Harris. I'm Byron McGee. But a lot of things that he taught that were good, I, I have maintained and keep in my mind because they were good things. He always told us coming up, he said, look, the good things that I do well, that's what you want to do. The things that I don't do well, that's what you don't want to do. So the things that he did a lot of things well. So I'd be a fool not to, not to imitate that or not to follow that. And that's what I told the, the, the young man yesterday, get ready to go uh, be ordained and stuff. And I'm like, well, I said, uh, my advice is to be just be who you are. You know, let the Lord use you and your personality. Because God, God has a certain, God, here's how God works. God has people, God has a people, if you're going to pastor, God has a people for you. that will accept you for who you are, where you are. And as you and they grow together, like the ministry moves forward. It's, it's just, this is the way it is. So, you know, you don't have to worry about, don't worry about pleasing people and trying to make everybody your friend and, and no, 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 you do what the Lord says and God will work all that stuff out. Why? Because it's not our program, it's his program. And Jonathan understood. Even though I could have been king, I see that David is the anointed one. That takes a, that, that's a good friend because we're in a world where we try to vie for position and power. And a lot of times uh, vying for position and power, if it's not of God leads us into trouble. The focus was God wants us to choose good friends. Hopefully you and I will know what it means to choose the right friends. Everybody that says they're your friend is not necessarily your friend. I mean, that's just the reality. They can smile in your face and say, we got you, you know, I'm with you. Yeah, right. Talk to Jesus about friends. One of his own closest followers. Lord, I'm with you. I'm always with you. Thanks be to God, even though he did go the opposite direction, God what? Brought him back. Amen? Because Jesus already told him, hey, Peter, by the way, you're going to deny me three times. But then he also told him, hey, by the way, go strengthen my brothers. Peter, Simon, 
Barjona, so lovest thou me? Well, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Simon, son of Barjona, do you really love me? Now Peter's getting frustrated. I just told you I did. Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. Simon, why are you, what, what? Why do you keep asking me this? Simon, son of Barjona, do you love me? For the third time, yes, feed my sheep. Now, why would he do, why did Jesus do three times? Because sometimes it takes more than once for something to sound down in our ear till we get it. And though Peter did deny on the day of Pentecost, it was Peter who preached the most powerful sermon and 5,000 souls was added to the church. And then Peter went on to be one of, the, one of the key apostles in the New Testament. Amen? Amen? Paul's another one. Hey, Paul, out there killing the saints, killing Christians, just annihilating, trying to annihilate the church. And yet God used Paul to be the most prolific writer of the New Testament. All the New Testament letters, most of the New Testament letters were written by a man who was trying to destroy. The, the very thing he was trying to destroy is the very thing he became part of and lived for and died for. So here's David and Jonathan. Amen. But God wants us to choose good friends who will help us live for him. Don't get a friend that's going to take you away from God. Get a friend that's going to draw you closer to God. Somebody, you want friends that have the same excitement of the Lord. Well, let me rephrase that. You want friends who are excited about the Lord who will help you maintain the same enthusiasm, hopefully, that you have already. You don't want somebody, somebody, no, you don't need to go to church today. No, man, don't, no, 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 no. Why don't we just stay home today? No, you don't want that. You want somebody that says, hey, I'm going to Sunday school, I'm going to Bible school, I'm going to, I'm going to be there at, at 10 o'clock. Let's go, come on. They're excited to be in class. They're excited. They, 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 they just can't wait to get there. You know, they're not the type of person that sits back and goes, oh, goodness, it's, no. Oh, I guess I better get ready to go. No, it's almost 11 o'clock. Oh, Jesus, have mercy. I guess I better go to church. No, you want, you want friends that they are excited to be in the house of the Lord. They can't wait. They're waiting to see what God's going to do. They say, hey, I don't know what God's going to do, but I anticipate he's going to do something. Now, how many of you came today with a, with a sense of expectation? That number one, say, hey, you know what? I want to hear a word from the Lord. I want, to say, I want the man of God to say something that's going to encourage me. Well, he's already said a couple things, I hope, that, he, that has encouraged me. He told me, number one, that I have to love God most of all. And if I look at myself, i got to say to myself, do I love God most of all? Am I excited about the things of God? Do I love, can I honestly say that when he talks about in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments? Am I keeping the, am I, not everybody else, not my mother, not my father, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me. Am I keeping the commandments of the Lord? And if I am, then, hey, the kids learn, number two, that we're, I'm going to choose to have good friends. Let me look at my friend list. You know, one of the dangers of Twitter and Facebook and all this other stuff, people befriend anybody and everybody. I was on my Twitter account yesterday. And I told my son, I said, who are these people? I, I, I want to get rid of them. I don't, I don't befriend anybody. Some of you may put, I may not friend you. It's not because I don't like you, but I don't, have to, I, don't, I don't do that all the time. 
You know why I have Twitter? Because there's a lot of good information from other ministries that's on Twitter. I have John Piper. I have John MacArthur. I have Chuck Swindoll. I have the guy out down in town. I mean, I have different ministries and preachers that I listen to and, and read and all that. That's who's on my Twitter account. I have too many people that are outside of that realm because I don't have time for it. I, 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 when they put stuff up that's good, good quotes, good sayings, recommend a book or do whatever, that's what I click on. I'm not on there to try to find out what you're doing, what you're eating, your latest dress that you bought. No, that's not why I'm on there. Facebook's the same way. I go into church Facebook account because I want to see what we're doing and what's on there and because there's some good information that many ministries post on Facebook as well as Instagram. I mean, there's some excellent studies material out there for free. And while I'm talking about it, I might as well throw in a plug for him. Now, I'm not getting money out of this. But if you have a smartphone and you want an excellent Bible app that is solid, biblically based, John MacArthur Grace Community Church has a Bible app with every single thing that you would ever need to study the scriptures. Commentaries, sermons, notes, the whole kit and caboodle. Over 50-some years of experience of teaching and preaching the Bible is available for free. Excellent Bible source. Free. So when people tell me, you know, hey, I have a Bible, there's no excuse now. It's, a, it's everywhere. You can get the ESV Bible for free. Download it. It's free. You can get the, save, the study Bible with all the notes for free. If you have access to a computer or a smartphone or a tablet, it's there. Amen? I'd be excited about these things because it, it, you need to know more. You and I want to know more about the Word. Amen? So one, love God, choose love God most of all. Two, choose God, have good friends. And last but not least, what we talked about is we dealt with the fact of Ahab and Elijah and Mount Carmel. Stand for God. How many in here stand for God? Not just in theory, but are willing actually to stand for God. So that when your husband, your wife, your kids, your neighbors, your friends say, oh, no, 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 no. You really out in left field on that one. But you're really, but you're really right. Are you willing to take a stand for God? Or are you and I willing to say, well, I don't want to ruffle feathers, so I'll step back and I won't, I won't say anything because if I don't say anything, then I won't be accountable. There's no such thing. Elijah with the prophets, false prophets of Baal had to make a stand. It had not rained in Israel for three years, per the prophet's prophecy. All because of the sin of Ahab. Ahab took him away from God. He was the king of Israel, and he drew their hearts not toward God, but away from God. And any time take, somebody takes you or you take yourself away from God, God will deal with you and I. Because God wants first place in our life. Not second, not third, first. Seeking what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness then all these other things will be added to you. So there he is, the prophets of Baal. You know, they, Ahab and Jezebel, that whole scenario. And ultimately what happened was uh, Elijah says, I tell you what, I tell you what, all you false prophets, go out. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see who has the real God. We're going to find out. Go get your calf, a calf and a calf for me. And we're going to build an altar. And then around the altar, we're going to build, have a big a trench. And I'm going to give you first shot. 
Take your altar, take your sacrifice, put it on the altar. And if your God is real, call down fire from heaven. We're going to see. This is a showdown on Mount Carmel. So all the 450 prophets and 650 prophets, they all gather. They start putting their stuff together. And then they're out there crying and wailing and doing anything and everything. And they're trying to call fire down from heaven. And nothing happens. Zip. Not, not a spark, not a flicker, not a, not a, a, a light, lightning bug, nothing. No, no sense of fire at all for hours to the point that Elijah starts laughing at him. <laughs> You've been out here all day and nothing is happening. What, what, what are you doing, man? Come on. Give it up. So at the time, he said, all right, you had your chance. Now it's my turn. Told him, go fill three jars, not little jars, humongous jars, with water. Bring the water back and drench the altar. And not just pour it on top of the, the, the sacrifice and on top of the altar, but pour enough so that it fills the trench that's around the altar. And then what did Elijah do? He called on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that you and I serve, the God that built and created the whole entire universe. He calls on God, and out of heaven, boom, falls fire from heaven, consumes the wet, drenched altar, consumes the sacrifice, and burns up all the water that's around it. As a sign to show the people, because he had the people gather around the altar, by the way, this is the God that we serve. Nothing is impossible with our God. I don't care what your problem is today. I don't care where you're at today. I don't care what you think you can't go through. Guess what? God is able. The same God that consumed the the sacrifice on the altar with Elijah is the same God that can help you and I out in our times of trouble. Just got to believe and trust and have faith that God is who he says he is. That's all Elijah did. Elijah said, hey, by the way, why would, how can Elijah do that? God spoke to Elijah and said, you tell Ahab it's not going to rain for three years. And guess what? It didn't rain for three years. Now, we're crying because we got too much rain. We got a hill back here that we haven't been able to cut because it's full of water still. We've gotten stuck. Well, it's kind of dry back there. Dry. Oh, Jesus, we're stuck. Yeah. God, 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 the same God that said it wouldn't rain, this is the same God that now is sitting in the rain. The same God that you think that you're in a desert place in your life? Guess what? God can send the refreshing rains. Amen? And some of us need to have a refreshing rain come in our life because we've really dried up. We're withered spiritually. And here's Ahab, still looking, going, what can he say? His prophets couldn't do it, but Elijah's God did. Amen? The the, the thing was, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 3.16. Don't. Be what? Strong and courageous. Be strong. 
If you know who God is and what he's done, you can be strong. And not only strong, you can be courageous. Speak out on unrighteousness and unholiness. I told the pastors yesterday, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of getting ticked at the church a little bit. I said, I understand the newness and it's out, in the, it's out in the public arena. And a lot of pastors, a lot of ministries are spending a whole, lot, a whole, whole amount of time talking about same sex and all that. I said, I get that. Yeah, it's not right. It's wrong. It's unbiblical. It's, it's ungodly. We're gonna, yeah, I get that. But there's more than that out there. Talk about the, the, sin is sin. That's a manifestation of among many other men. If you're lying, that's a sin. If you're cheating, that's a sin. All those other sins, if you're living with somebody that's not your wife, that's a sin. As well as all those other sins. It's sin. So what do you do? You don't hide. Yeah, I get it. It's in the news. The Supreme Court just came out with it and all that. But we're focusing on the wrong thing. We need to focus on sin, but we need to tell people that there is a deliverance from sin. You don't have to stay there. You can be saved from your sin. However it manifests itself. Amen? Be strong and courageous. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, and do not fear or be in dread of them. Don't worry about it, folks. The message is not popular. The message goes against the grain of culture and society. God says be holy. The devil says be unholy. More people want to be unholy than they want to be holy. Why? Because there's more fun in unholiness. So they think. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. God's going to be with you. If you and I stand for what is right, God will be with us. And he says he will not leave us or forsake us. Has God forsaken you? Maybe the question is, have you and I forsaken him? God never will forsake us. Now we may forsake him. Amen? The other thing that we focused on, God wants us to be true to him regardless of what other people do. God wants us to be true to him. How can you be true to God? You got to know the word of God. This isn't, this is, this isn't my standard. This is God's standard. God says what is right. God's already determined. What, we, we, we should not even be debating on what's right and wrong. It's already done for us. God wants us to be true to him regardless of what other people do. Let me tell you something. I close on this. There's a false fallacy in some of our thinking. It's not biblical. You know, we just need to let people do what they want to do. They love Jesus. They, they ought to be able to do what they want to do for themselves. That's from the pit of hell. Because you and I are not allowed to do what we want to do. No, we're not. Why? We've been bought with a price, and we're not our own. We belong to Jesus. And you and I cannot do what we think or what we want on our own unless it matches up to what the Word of God says. And if it does not match up to what the Bible says, then it is sin and it is wrong. Case closed. We cannot do what we want to do just because we want to do it. And we say, seemingly, it does not hurt anybody. 
It does hurt some, somebody. It hurts the person that's involved, and sometimes it hurts other people because they're going down the wrong path. And again, culture and society says, well, who are you to determine what's the wrong path? I don't determine the wrong path. The Bible's already said what's the wrong path. Why do you think he said in the gospel, we'll get to it. We already talked about it once, but we'll talk about it again. Why do you think he said there's a wide gate and a narrow gate? The wide gate is where everybody wants to go because it's got plenty of room for everybody. It's the narrow gate that none of us want to walk through because the way is hard. It's not easy. And that's where we're at. Pastor, you love everybody and, they, and let them do what they want to do. No, can't let them do what they want to do because the Lord will allow us to do what we want to do. We've been bought. If you're saved, now if you're saved, you're not your own. Now if you're not saved, that's another story. You, are, you have a father. Jesus said, okay, if they're not of my, if, if they're not of my kingdom, then there are, there's only two kingdoms. There's only two reigns. Either you belong to the devil or you belong to God. And if you don't belong to God, you belong to the devil. He is your daddy. If you don't know Jesus, that's who your daddy is, the devil. You don't have to stay there. He provided the means of salvation in his son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, if any man what, be in Christ, he's new. For God so loved the world that he gave his what? His only begotten son. That's why he came. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his, the people from their sins. That's the whole essence of the gospel. He came to save us from ourselves. People are lost. Not just, that, that's a fact. The Bible says that's what they, people are lost. They're dead in trespasses and sins. And if you're delivered today by the blood of Jesus, you don't have to stay there. Oh, you might sin, but you can't stay there because the blood of Christ will not allow you to stay there. Right. Amen? Amen? I remember this. The other day I was reading something about evangelism, and the guy said, you know, it's really simple. If we don't share the gospel, if we don't share the good news, and maybe it's not good news to you. Maybe that's, maybe that's the problem. Maybe you don't understand what you were delivered from. Or maybe you've not been delivered. But if you have been and you understand the, the good news of what God through Christ has done for us, then we ought to be sharing the gospel every opportunity we get with a lost world so that they might have Hopefully what we ought to have is Christ in their life. But if you and I don't do that, then you know what we're really saying? That we do not believe in hell as a real place that where people who don't know Christ will go. We're not convinced of that yet. Because if we are convinced that there is a hell that will eternally separate our loved ones and our friends and our, even we ourselves from God, we would be much more willing to share the gospel. And the fact that many of us, and I say us, many of us do not do that. Maybe we don't really think hell is as bad as it is. Because let me tell you, it's a bad place. I don't want, and you don't want anybody to go to hell. But the reality is, if they do not know Jesus, that's where people 
that we know, that we love, that's in our jobs, that's in our neighborhoods, that's in our city, that's in our town, that's in our state, that's in our country, that's in this world, that's where many people will be. Because the commission of the church is to go you therefore into all nations, baptizing and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. That's our mandate. That's our instruction as the church. We use VBS. We use other means to try to reach people with the message. Choose choosing God's way. It's a lot to it. And I trust and pray that if you have not trusted or chose God's way, you'll do that today. That you'll come and say, you know what, Pastor? I want to choose God's way. Because I realize in my life, as I look back, that's the best way. It's the only way that I could ever be living the life that's going to be beneficial to me. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. That when, at one moment in time in our life, we were totally lost, totally separated from you, getting ready to bust hell's gates wide open. But Lord, we thank you that for many of us, you quickened our heart and our mind, and you helped us to realize that we needed a Savior. We couldn't save ourselves, but we needed somebody who could, and that was your son, Jesus Christ. He came into the world to be the substitute for us. Now, Father, if there is somebody that really doesn't know you, that wants to know you today, we pray that they would put in their mind and put in their spirit that they will talk to somebody, come running down the aisles and say, what must I do to be saved? And if they're the ones that we talk to, pray, Lord, that we would be able to share with them the gospel message of forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ, that he can save us to the utmost. And that once we're saved, we no longer have to fear eternal separation. We no longer have to fear death. We have victory in Jesus. And that what he asks of us is that we learn and grow and be more like him the rest of our life. Thank you, Father, for all the salvation plan you gave to us. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.